we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a try to Andrew John. Bruce Street from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Warramai Lands, this is the Bay 53 Podcast. We are still part of the sport's best friends podcasting network, and we remain very proudly brought to you by A-plus Contracting and Polywelding. This is a little bit of a special event broadcast this week, and I'm not just referring to the fact that the Knights won a home game again, but we're, we're bringing to you a mini festival of footy as we sit back and just merge and uh, immerse ourselves in rugby league culture off the back of uh, mighty fighting nights, beating the Titans and rejuvenating our season last <laughs> night. Brett, oh, it's great to have you aboard, my friend. Good to be here, mate, in the sunny terrace. Great. Um, mate, let's, let's just get straight to the good stuff. How good is winning rugby lead? I kind of forgot what it was like, to be honest with you. Well, certainly kind of forgot what it was like to see it live. I, I highly... Look, and to anybody else listening, and that's made in the main part rugby league fans who support the Newcastle Knights... I highly recommend supporting a winning rugby league team. <laughs> it is guaranteed to improve your experience of the um, of the spectacle by a factor of at least ten. Um, great game last night. Yeah, I, I honestly couldn't believe how well we played. Like it was just a really solid performance all across the park. Um, yeah, not a negative really thing to say about the game at all. Now, as I said to everyone, we are having a mini festival of footy. Um, we just decided to sort of have a weekend to sit back, put the feet get feet up take advantage of the uh, rubbish weather and just watch as much football as we can. So while we're recording this, um, we've actually got uh, game two of the 1996 Origin Series on in the background, having watched game one uh, earlier before recording. Completely different game. It's just, I I can't believe, like there's so many things that have changed over the last... uh, sort of 30 years of uh, rugby league, it's um, it's just very weird to watch. Yeah, it's like a different sport. Like, like you know, I was tw- you know, 17 years old at this stage. Like, I wasn't a kid when this was being played, and I can't remember this sport, you know. It really been, but it's so different. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, so New South Wales, obviously, what, so 1996 is the, the famous series in Origin where uh, the Blues 3-0 sweep with an unchanged 17 for all three games. That first game up at Lane Park, um, there were, like you and I have sort of had a chat about this before we pressed record, a couple of things that um, I sort of picked up on. Um, Brett, have any thoughts that you sort of want to, anything that jumped out at you about the game when you were watching it? You, what, I, what I didn't realise, that this there's a real golf in, in the talent for these two teams. Even once the Super League players have come back into this series, it makes the 95 series even more... <clears throat> of an anomaly yeah. because the Queensland team had a quarter of the talent we had an absolute quarter of the talent um, yeah like we were we were on, on, an, on another level it sort of the, the Lang Park sort of thing kept that game reasonably close but 
Yeah, us winning 3-0, and you look at the sides on paper, it's a surprise to no one. Um, I'll get straight to the thing that's obvious. I mean, for those who have listened to us before, and they might have uh, known, I interact a little bit with uh, Statue Guy. I'm a bit of an Andrew Johns fan. Uh, the criticism that we always hear of Joey was uh, he was never good enough to be halfback in his own origin team, let alone of all time. Um He's a hooker who didn't do much at dummy half. It turns out he was a he was a terrible hooker back in the Origin days. Yeah, he didn't he just didn't play there. He was he was played in the middle in defence, and that was where his number nine jersey was won. But no, he was he was, he was halfback one hundred percent. Jeff Tuvey was a dummy half every ruck. Um, and I think one of the things that you and I just sort of and I think it gets taken for granted a little bit about this New South Wales team is that. One of the concerns about New South Wales in this series was you had three playmakers in Johns, Fittler and Daly. That's an ama- that is just an amazing combination of players to have in a team. Like th- th- Those three players in this New South Wales team really does take it to another level. Yeah, you've got three guys that are, you know, considerations for all-time 13s. Yep. You know, like those three guys would easily fit into all-time 13s, I think. And... The ability and the selfless, selflessness of those guys to be able to play on the same field together, not get in each other's way, and feel good to coach a, a game plan that gets the best out of each of them was just pure genius. Yep. Um, I want to I want to ask you about because I think this was the last year in rugby league without video refs. I'm pretty sure both not both comps in '97 yep. had video. Yep. So this was the last year with essentially without a bunker, as it were. Do you think? the lack of the bunker makes any difference to the experience of watching that this this series? Um, it, do, it doesn't in terms of the original idea of the video ref. It, to me, it makes no difference. I think the video ref was a good thing. But the way the bunker is now, where tries get awarded then taken off teams, this is much more enjoyable. You get to enjoy a try when it's scored. So this is a bit of a side, to, a bit of a tangent. I was a big fan of the ruling by the bunker, like the, the ref just awarding the try and then the bunker coming in if they found something that was obvious because I like that to allow the flow of the game. What I do realise now, though, is that, yes, every single time a try is scored now, you just, you just can't enjoy it. No. You can't celebrate it. Because even when Dom runs his 80 metres last night, yeah. as soon as my first thought was get tackled because if you've knocked that on they'll find that in the bunker yeah. and we're we're going back up the other end yeah. of the field and you're sort of you just yeah you're, you're, you're just sitting there waiting anxiously now for the bunker to say oh hang on we found something I never enjoy a backline play where we score now because every time I'm waiting for we come back with a decoy runner getting in the way Joey hang on Joey's just made a break in oh I, I, I still right so Every time I watch Andrew John's highlights, or every time I watch highlights from the late 90s, early 2000s, every time I think that I'm appreciating how good he was, he's, I watch something I reckon I've watched maybe a dozen times, and I still see something else that he's doing that um, just reminds me, no, I've, I've never fully appreciated it. So anyway, so we're 23 minutes into game two. New South Wales is 2-0 up. Um, Joey with the with the one penalty goal so far. But already missed two. Um... I want to talk to you about concussion. Mm-hmm. And you and I, so when we were watching game one this morning, you and I were, and I don't know if you, I actually don't know if you remembered this, Bruno, but yeah, well, you and I were quite shocked with what we know now, watching the footage of um, Andrew 
head clash with an opponent. He's knocked out. He's clearly knocked out, in, mm. and his body is in midair. Yeah. He's clearly knocked down. He falls with, with no control of his body, and he comes back on the field 10 minutes later to finish off the game. Now, this is not a criticism of the way it was handled at the time. That is the reality of the way that head knocks were handled at the time. But 30 years later, what we now know about brain injuries and CTE and concussion, it, it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah, it is. Because, yeah, he was, as I said to you when we were watching at the time, it was not only the fact that he, under the current rules he'd be often knocked back on, he'd get probably three weeks of mandatory rest there because yeah. of how badly he was knocked out. And he's literally back playing in an origin 10 minutes later. And not only is he back playing, in, he would have been playing that weekend for the night. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. And then he would have played another origin over the week after that and then played again for the night. So he, he would have played four games when he shouldn't have been playing any. Yeah. So... It, it just it surprises me now, and again, it's a knowledge thing because I do remember. And concussion was something that we spoke about back in the nineties. Into and you even said it while we were playing, like, yeah, no, he's got the he's got the fog out, and he's he's, he's okay again. And we just we now know so much more about the way the brain reacts to these things. It, it, watching what Joe went through there, it made me appreciate. That's why they take it so seriously, yeah. now. and that's why we do live in the age of the. Bunker with the Category 1s, and we're annoyed that KP's not playing this weekend, and that's fine, but those are the injuries that they're now trying to avoid. That, that's why they're saying to these players, this is how we're going to... Look. You, we, we can't trust you to look after yourself now. We, want, we have to ensure that you're looked after, and this is what we're going to do, so that you know an Andrew Johns isn't getting, being knocked out in midair and coming back on 10 minutes later. And just the comment from Blocker on the touchline when Joey came back oh, on yeah, was, yeah. was he, 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 he had a little concussion, and that was just... We both we now know that's not a thing. You got a concussion. You got a concussion. But Blocker just playing his day. Oh, he had a little concussion. And it wasn't. And even at the time, that's not a little concussion. It's, yeah. it's a man who's lost consciousness. Yeah. In midair. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. little he, about. He, it. he got. He was off the ground when he had the head clash, and he fell face first, feet off the ground. Like he was as knocked out as you can be. One of the other things that we did notice in terms of the style of play, and obviously the rules that are in existence at the time play a big part in it. And I, I sort of made the comment, the way I observed it was the modern game field position is paramount, but the game we're watching back then, ball movement is paramount. It's all about keeping the ball moving and keeping that flow of um, bodies around the ball. Whereas now it's just forward motion. You, where we are on the field is what matters and that's where we need to get the ball. It's, um, it's been an interesting tactical switch in the way the game is played. Yeah, and then that's... To me, that's because of the speed of the game. The game is so much faster now. Mm. You can really, you can, you can make your ground forward across the ground just by playing touch footy style. You know, it's so much easier the, the way the modern game is played to just make ground running one out off the ruck. Whereas in these days, if you run one out off the ruck, you get built and thrown backwards. Oh, I think Renoff has just scored. I was telling Brett, my uh, my favorite, one of my favorite stats about State of Origin. And again, that's another case that actually just... So watching Renault score there, the referee's pointing this one like, oh, surely you got to send that up to the yeah. bunker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favourite Origin all-time stats is that Wendell Saylor only scored one try in his State of Origin career. Um, but I think he only played about 14 games as well. Because between Super League and then going to uh, rugby, uh, he probably had a shorter career than you'd, uh, than you'd anticipate. It just screams fraud to me. <laughs> Uh, Wendell, Wendell Fraudler. Um, 
I guess one of the other reasons that we're sort of watching Origin is um, we're off the back of uh, Game 2 just obliteration of Queensland last weekend. Um, good, obviously a good result for New South Wales. That was, um, I think that was the performance everyone expected from New South Wales in Game 1. Yeah, yeah. To me, it, it shows the potential of the New South Wales team, but also its limitations. But, you know, when, Talk to when, me about the limitations thing. When they, they... They have a very structured game plan in New South Wales. They play very Penrith-like. Yeah. And when it works, it works. And it works with Penrith because they're better than everybody. But if it doesn't work, there is no plan B. And that was shown in game one. When Muscle went bang, bang, and New South Wales did to chase points, there was no chasing points in them. It's funny what you say about because they're that much better than everybody. And obviously at rep level, you don't expect the depth of... not And certainly not at the moment, maybe back in 1996... But you don't expect one team to be that much better quality-wise than the other. Yeah. Because we're talking about representative players. Yeah, we're clearly a better team on paper at the Origin Series. But Queensland will probably win this series in ga- in, simply because the teams are evenly matched. Even though we're probably slightly better on paper, there's 5% difference. Whereas Penrith are probably 10% better than Melbourne and 30% better than the rest of the competition. As we were walking to the game last night, uh, I was pointing out to you that my understanding is that in 12 games... Uh, Nathan Cleary has passed Darren Lockyer and is now, I think, fourth all-time in origin point scoring. Uh, I think he's only got... I think... Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. But anyway, of 12 games, Nathan Cleary now scored this uh, incredible amount of or- points in origin. If he keeps on this path, he'll finish with the all-time record. For you, though, you don't feel like Nathan Cleary has completely responded to his critics in terms of his place in origin. No, because to me, you become an origin legend when you drag a team over the line from nowhere. When you do, when you do a Andrew Johns in 2005, you know, when you do a Wally Lewis in, I think it was 88, 89, one of those series anyway, you know, you do, you do what the legend, you what Lockheed did in 06, when you, when you literally win your team again, and clearly hasn't done that yet. And so this brought on the discussion that we had, and I'm sort of, I'm happy to flesh it out a little bit now. Does the game allow halfbacks in the game to be that player anymore? No, I, I don't think it doesn't. I, I don't think you can say it doesn't allow it, but it is hard. Yeah. Um, so you obviously think Queensland will win game three? I think they're the favourite, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think that was my immediate criticism. And I'm certainly... I mean, I was, I was ready to write this team off as a 3-0 loss um, just off the back of Jake Turbo. And he came in and put in one of the all-time... Uh, origin forward performances. Uh, I think just to spite me, I was having a I was having a back and forth with um, at Nat underscore Sinclair from um, the Big Cat Chat, and I've been absolutely pwned by both of them. Um, my cons- I, I guess where I'm coming from with this team though is that historically, historically game two always goes to the game one, or more, is more likely to go to the game one loser because they've got more to play for. Um, I didn't see anything, though, from this Blues team that gives me the confidence to say they've got it in them to get it over a Queensland team at home in a decider, jacked up on hometown atmosphere. No, I. our hope in Game 3 is that our best players play at their best. Yep. If our best players play at their best, we win that game. Yep. We've got more top-tier players than they do. Yep. But I just I just keep thinking, man, I'm actually Cameron Munster. So... For me, Cameron Munster still lacks that consistency. My concern with Cameron Munster is that 
if he shows up and does what we know he can do, then it should be game over. But because of his lack of consistency in that role, I'm I'm not as concerned about him as I am about our forwards getting rolled by a forward pack that is just energised on wanting to run, run over mm. the top of us. Um, but I absolutely take on board what you say. Cameron, Cameron Munster has it in to be the difference. You just don't know whether he's going to be switched on at the time to do it. Right, it's in game three, Suncorp Besider. Yeah, true. You know, that's yeah. just, that, yeah. that's just got Cameron Munster written all over it. Um, and, you know, he's, he's got his dealers in that area. <laughs> he's, got, he's got everything going for him. He's got everything going for him. Mate, I want to have a chat with you about selections. Um, firstly, we'll talk about the New South Wales team for game three. Uh, if Luttrell gets through this weekend unscathed, does he get named? Has in... to be picked. Okay, so he, I think he'll, he, he has to get picked in the 22. Yeah. Does he get named at three or four on Monday morning? Yeah, he's wearing the number three jersey. Well, sorry, the number four jersey come um, origin time. Okay, so that's that's the first one. That's the first cab off the rank, and that's at the expense of Stephen Crichton, who I don't think did anything wrong to no. warrant being dropped, aside from being um, shown up by Kalen Ponga for the Munster trial. Stephen Crichton's my 18th man. Yep. All right, so he, he should definitely still stay there, ready to go um, if necessary. Who are now? Who's so it? Jack White's the other one that'll come back in. Okay, so where does Jack White go? Well, that's what I personally would put him at 14 and drop Appy and go back to Cook. Right, so Appy's not... You're not you're not dropping your starting hooker who won you... Who was a part of a winning game. No, because Damien Cook still played three-quarters of that game. So... Two-thirds of that game. So will Fittler pick and stick? So do you expect Appy to be number nine? No, I think I expect Damien Cook to be number Really? Nine. Yeah. Oh, so because you've got to remember, we piled all the points on Dan Cook on the field. Yeah, but the argument will be that Appy was the one who went out and set it up for a tired opposition that Damien so Cook you do is you, what you do of. is you train Jack White to play 20 minutes of hooker in the middle of the game. So Cook can start you the game and he can play the last 35. Yep. You just can't, you just can't have Damien Cook play 80. No, that's what that's. But what I, I want Damien Cook playing 60 more than I want Abby playing 60. Yep. Yep. Um... What was the other one? So the other question there is, do you or do or do you put Matt Burton at fourteen and Jack White comes back into the centres? I think Matt Burton because I, I don't like picking centres as your fourteen. Yeah, I think Steve. The idea of centres is a. Striker. But even though Matt Burton can play in the halves and fullback, well, just give him the eighty minutes anyway. Just keep him in. Yeah. Keep I, him I, in I agree. I agree. And, but that's that's the thought. And the thing is, is that we've been we've had success with White at fourteen. So give yeah. him another opportunity there. FYI, so uh, Queensland have just done magnificently in the first half here in the uh, game too. Steve Walters, I forgot, was off for 10 minutes and we did nothing. So, yeah, Queensland definitely came, uh, turned up for game two uh, of this series, leading 6-2, 6 to go to half time. Um, I, I guess the only other selection query that I want to ask you about is for the Queensland team. Did Dane Gagai save his representative career against the Titans last night? Um, no. I don't think that they would drop Dane Gagai over to side. If this series was over, if it was 2 New South Wales or 2 New Queensland, Dane Gagai wouldn't play game three. I don't think they would. he'll get dropped because it's a decider. Yep. I also don't think he should get picked. 
I'm very reluctant to write off Dane Gagai. I'm pretty sure he can sense when I think that he's done and he manages to... That's right, and that's why I'm writing him off right now. Because <laughs> I've written him off 10 times in his career. And the one time I was high on him was this preseason and after a few weeks this year. Yeah. That was when I was Dane Gagai's biggest fan yeah. and it's turned to rubbish. Yeah. So I'm writing him off. So so Holmes, So you think Holmes and Gags will stay in the centre pairing? Yeah. Who sit, who goes to the wing then? For so Cobo holds onto his spot. Yeah, there's two Alagi. Two Alagi holds his spot. He can't drive after one game. He did nothing wrong. Yeah, he didn't do much right though. Oh no, he didn't. But he had that no ball. You, can, you can't judge a winger on a game they got yeah. forty put on him. Uh, you say that Queensland have done exactly that to a winger though. They dropped uh, Shifovsky yep. yep. after game one, two thousand and two. Newcastle are the premiers. Mate, let's get to let's get to um, all things uh, Newcastle Knights because this is only going to be, I think, the fifth. Well, it's going to be the fifth one that we've recorded, but fingers crossed, the fourth one that we release after a Knights win after the infamous Our first Tigers. one after a Knights home win. Uh, correct, yeah. So actually, let's just double check that we are in fact recording properly. <laughs> um. What a result. Great result. There's a lot to talk about in this game, and we will get uh, all of it out of the way. Um, first things first. Did you see this result coming last night? No. Yeah, I absolutely did not anticipate it. If we were going to win last night, how did you see it playing out? Um, I thought we'd start well. Yep. And I thought maybe we could grind out a... Like a like a 22 to 16, a Titans come back at us and we just hold on tight win. Yep. If Which we, is how it looked with 25 to go. If we lose, how did you think that was going to play out? We would start abysmally and get pummeled. I thought if I, I thought it was going to be a closer game either way. I thought if we were going to lose last night, it would go the way of the Raiders game, whether we led or not. I thought it would be either a, a close... Like a two to four point loss or a six to ten point. See, loss. I was judging the Titans winning on the, the battle of two mental midgets. Oh, 100%, so to say the king yeah. of the downhill skiers yeah. was the weakest minor team in the competition, yeah. and they you know they put a score on us. That was my thinking of the Titans one. Because we were only um, we were only four nil up with, after twenty minutes last with night. all the ball, and I was worried. Yeah, very much so. So, um, lot to take out of the game last night. Obviously, I guess the first things. First things first is, um, do the Knights currently have the two best wingers in the comp? Um, <laughs> they have the two, two best black wingers in the comp. As, as, as in a pair, as in a pair of wingers. As in a pair of wingers. Um, I'm just stoked for Eddie. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you know, like that. As, we're all happy with Dom. We've all seen Dom's first hatch. We all love Dom. But I'm just stoked for Eddie. Yeah. So, Absolutely stoked. So, um, in case you've sort of missed it, um, Edric Lee is going to do something that very few people in the history of the Newcastle Knights can say. He can leave the club saying, well, I did something at the Knights better than Andrew Johns did, which is he now holds the record of five tries in a game by one player, which is the most tries ever scored by an individual for the Newcastle Knights. And I'm, ple- I'm just I'm pleased as punch for him. I'm so happy that he holds that record the, the, now. That's right. And that'll stick in the books. And it's just nice... For Eddie's time in Newcastle, have something, you know. Yeah. People are saying, "Oh, Edric Lee, how was Edric for the Knights?" You know, he he didn't go out like he, if he went out last year, didn't play the entire year. The way that all turned out, that would have been that would have sucked. Eddie deserved better. 
Um, yeah, it's great. At the very least, you know, it would be nice for him to go with a, a finals campaign, which is not going to happen. But yeah, to go out in the record books, really stoked. Um, I think it's fair to say as well that he's a or he's a popular figure in Newcastle. Yeah, the fans love him. You know, the players him. love him. Yeah, and uh, and he's he's just shown, and whether it's been by circumstance or chance or you know something he does differently, the reality is is that we've always been a better team when he's playing yeah. on the on one yeah, of our edges. There's no, no there's no doubt about that. Um, and the thing about Eddie is because because of the of the way he's built the long arms and long legs. Everything looks really difficult for him. Yeah. So he doesn't look like he's trying hard. He looks like he makes mistakes being lazy. <laughs> but he actually, you watch him play, and he tries as hard as any. Yeah, he's a Rod Wishart type tryer. Yeah. You know, and he, he makes he doesn't make a lot of mistakes that people think he does. But because he drop he, he drops balls from fucking three feet off the ground, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're very noticeable. It's it's a it's a funny thing. Like you look at his actual error statistics, they're not particularly high. Yeah. Um, Andrew Jones has just converted a try basically on half time for the Blues. Flowing back line movement for Roy Wishart to go over the line. And it was it was actually interesting to watch it there. St- um, Peter Sterling in doing the if we freeze it there. We'll circle the, the Queensland players here. If you, you freeze it here, you'll yeah. see Caruana was caught outside. <laughs> <laughs> um just quickly, I'll throw this in. It's been—it's just so weird to watch Origin and rediscover what a fraud Alan Langer was. Um, as you said, as you said, mate, he really was just a highlights reel type of player, and um, yeah, definitely doesn't hold a candle to to Andrew Johns. Um, so, okay, there's a question in Queensland halfbacks. Where do you rank him? So, JT and Cronk are 100 percent above him. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there haven't been that many of them. See, that's no, the thing. No, they don't play a lot of them. So he's probably third. He's third. Because... Do you know put DC ahead of him? Oh, no. Oh, absolutely not. Because winning plays a part in it. And yeah, DC he just hasn't won as many... Well, one series. He's won one series. That's the only one, is it? Yeah, right. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, DC is probably top five on ability. Um, but then you think of the likes of Adrian Lamb. See, do you yeah. put Adrian Lamb ahead Paul of... Paul Green. And Paul Green. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I'm talking just solely in terms of the uh, Queensland team or the Origin Arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of their careers, I'd put DCE ahead of him. Because DCE has been a great player for a long time. And oh, he, and oh, yeah, yeah, good yeah. every week. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Alan obviously won more premierships, more Origins, all that sort of stuff. But if I, if I had one in my team, I'd take DCE, I think, over Alan Langer. Yeah, I probably agree with that. Um, we'll get back to the, the to the game last night, um, mate. Dan Safiti was a late addition to the or a late inclusion. He was fit, he was ready to go, and he had a blinder. Do we put that down to him wanting to prove himself, or do we put that down to the opposition? Where did where did those performances from our two starting front rowers come from last night? I don't think... I'm going to give the Dan the benefit out this year. I've been hard on him all year. Yep. I think he's been a lot more injured than we've known. Okay, so we... And we've probably said that out a couple of players. And there are three in particular that come to mind. Kurt Mann, Tyson Frizzell, Dan Sofidi. Why are our Why are our forwards so injured? I don't... Well, Dan was unlucky. Dan got that shitty round-the-legs bloody tackle that... Oh, the right. yeah. so, Dan, so Dan's been like I think yeah, Ty, I think right. Tyson's got a, a, either a shoulder or a rib or something and because of our injuries he just had a chance to get it right yep. so he just battled through and as the season wears on it's just got worse and worse mm. 
And Kurt Mann is just, he's a little bloke playing in the middle of the field. Yeah. He's going to get knocked around. It's just, it's just par for the course. Victor Radley gets injured a lot, you know? Like, it's just, yeah. it's, it's par for the course. But I, I think Dan last night after fresh and his body was obviously feeling pretty good. And he was, he was obviously fit because he went straight into the starting team. He didn't, he didn't play off the bench. He played outstanding. Um, even the point where he did one of his usual, where he backs in, there's not much doing. He normally pushes his way over the line. And you remember he did that quite a few times. And he nearly did that last night. He fell about 30 centimetres short. Yeah, and that's it, right. And it looked like the old Dan Safidi, where, you know, where he just kept the legs pumping and nearly got over. And I just thought he's feeling better in his body tonight. He really is. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's been more injured this year than we've known. Um, I'm, just, I'm just going through the metres run for our forwards again. I want to read you some numbers here. If I can just find the... Okay, I'm going to read you some numbers. 198, 152, 140, 190. Those are the metres run by our starting props and our starting back rowers last night. Yeah, outstanding. When do you think is the last time that four out of our five starting pack ran 100 plus in the same game? And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a clue. Maybe I'm, the Roosters game? Yeah, I'm here... Fill in, fill in the dead air with something to talk about, Bretto, while I, while I quickly go See, back and, and scan that. <laughs> to me, Adam O'Brien has realised how to rotate the pack. I really liked his rotation last night. Clem played the bulk minutes. The Safs played fresh and strong. And then he brought in Leo for impact. That Son imp- of a bitch. So I've, I've got it here. David, so David Clemmer, Jacob Sofidi, Tyson Frizzell, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. It was close. 125, 93 to JSAF, 147 and 105. Yeah, right. And, but, and I know you and I don't like to read too much into statistics in terms of saying, well, if you just meet this statistical thing, then you'll win. It, 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 we, we're not about that. But sometimes the statistics say, well, there are reasons why we won. And, the, and there it is. Yeah, you, it's like you said. When we played against the Roosters... We got 400 plus metres run out of our out of four of our starting pack. Because the strength of our team is our forwards. Yeah. We, that was our core coming into the game. We, we thought if the halves could come together and KP could play at his best, yep. our forwards are good enough that we could be a, 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 you know, a top tier team. Now, I do apologise. I cut you off when you were talking about... Um, oh, O'Brien or rotations. Yes. Yeah, so he really, to me, and I really paid attention last time, because as we've said many times, our base right behind the Knights bench. And he really rotated that well. Clem played the bulk minutes. He put the hard yards in and left the other guys around him to play fresh. And if you get that out of David Clem, you know you will. You won't get impact out of him, but you'll get all the hard stuff and you'll get big minutes if you need it. And he did all that. He was the, you know, he did the alpha male stuff you know, in, the, in the fight. He did all the things you want out of your best, out your most experienced prop forward. And the other guys flayed off the back of it. And that's how this rugby league team needs to play. And I think Adam O'Brien realized that. And I think Jaden Braley will help that. Because he'll mean that Clem won't need to quite do as much in the middle. Craig, and, and, um, and then you've got guys like Croakson come in and work hard as well. So I really think we've got a, we've got a really good rotation there. If we can keep them fit next year. But that's the big if when it comes to this club, isn't it? The big if we can keep them fit. It's the eternal question that drives us. <laughs> oh. um, Dom Young scored the first try... Um, off a clue kick. I was particularly pleased with us taking the lead last night because there were three agendas of yours and mine that just fell into play perfectly, which is that our forwards gave us a platform, our halfback put in a good attacking kick, and Dom Young scored. Yeah. And we were high on oh. all three of those things in pre-season, and that was a microcosm in terms of 
why we were high on this team. That was what we expected to see week in, week out um, to help us take the lead. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's how this team is built. Like that's yeah, that's that's the that's the things we thought we we knew what we had in the forwards. If we got what we wanted out of those guys, your clones, your doms, those sort of things. That was how we thought this team was going to be successful. Mm. And we just you know, and that was just a little a little snippet of you know what we've been missing out on. Um, I'm going to touch on the Titans very quickly, very briefly, if only because. Uh, it is very easy. It is very important to remember the context of the win last night, and we did what we needed to do plus ten percent against a team that is terrible. And I don't think that is an unfair assessment of the Gold Coast Titans. They are a terrible team at the moment, with a team that came into this season with high expectations off the back of a finals appearance last season. Um, at no point in the game... Well, okay, we'll just stick to the first half. At no point in the first half did I ever have that normal night's anxiety I have of concern for any threat from the op- opponent. Not once. Because they weren't playing Titans football. The one thing, as bad as the Titans are, they're normally scared because they'll throw it around and you know, they've got a lot of guys yeah. that get their arms free, they make half a break, they've got plenty of speed. They just... In that first half, there was none of that. And they had no ball because we controlled the game. And full credit to Milf and Kloon. They controlled field position. They you know, they got us quite a few repeat sets. We controlled the rucks and we're getting penalties. We, um, yeah, we, we, and we, they were all for that first half, but we did not give them a sniff. Um, we, we, we finally took advantage of it. So Edric Lee scored his uh, double in the 19th and the 23rd minutes. Um, and again, one of them was off the back of another Adam Clune assist. Oh, lovely rugby league! You and I were just that's that, that's that's literally right in front of us. Yeah, and we seen that, that so that play flowed towards us. So we literally seen the, the um, Titans defender step forward out of the line, and Clune recognise it in an instant and take one step forward, puts him in behind, and then throws the ball. Like it, it was exactly Cameron Munster does that. Everyone's oh, how classy, you know? So. I know you and I have a tendency to sort of hammer points home to the to the extent that we disintegrate the nail out of existence. But again, there was a part of me that couldn't help thinking last night, that's a play that Mitchell Pierce would have butchered. Oh, absolutely. Because, he would have dummied. And that's the thing, because he would have been set in his mindset in terms of, well, this is what I'm going to do. And the circumstances would have changed. And he wouldn't have been going, well, I have to change. He would have just gone... Well, I've got to make what I'm going to do work in this set of circumstances. It's, it's etched in stone. When that defender came out of the line, he would have seen that gap behind him and ran for it. Yeah. And so there's... The, and it was just, it was good to see Adam Clune. And you and I hate this phrase, and I found myself using it. He played eyes up football, where he saw, he saw what the defensive line was doing, and he took advantage of that gap yeah. that was created. Yeah. And then he goes over essentially untouched. Yeah. Yeah. And... And, and, not, and not just the, like, all the lead-up work by Clune, the actual pass. He actually, the pass was a cutout, but he threw it to the point where either man could have got it. Mm. So the defense has no idea where that's going. Yep. Absolutely no idea. Yep. You know, and, and it's well left by Anari, because Anari could have snatched at that, because that looked like it was going to him, but he recognized it was going across his face. So it was, it was an outstanding bit of play from Clooney. One of the uh, one of the rare smart decisions made by Anari last night. Yeah, but, and that, but that, and that, but that's why Anari will always have a role in a squad because yeah. he, he's not a dumb footballer. 
No. You know, he, he has an error in him and that, but he's not a dumb footballer. And that's why you always have a squad, a squad, a spot in a first grade squad. So we actually scored five tries last night in the first half. And yes. it's easy to forget that for a couple of reasons. One is because <laughs> we couldn't fucking convert a try to save our lives. And, and that's fine. That's... And, and, and credit the text, he wasn't hitting them poorly. Yeah, no. The first one was a bad miss. Yep. But he was hitting all the ones that were all from the top. Obviously the wingers were doing all the scoring. Yep. So they were all out wide. He was hitting them well. Um, but the other one as well is that for everything that happened last night, any other not any other game, the key talking point would be Dom Young's second try, which is yeah. in this day and age we're starting to take for granted a little bit the winger flying for the corner and perfectly placing the ball whilst in mid air, you know, millimeters away from the line. But this is a 20-year-old from England who was lambasted on his debut last year, yeah. who is now playing like one of the premier wingers in the comp, and that finish was something that... There are, there are wingers who will play their entire... Like a 10-year career, and yeah. they won't finish the ball. Finish. I specifically remember a bucket load of media people and Knights fans saying, Dom Young's hands are not first-grade standard. Oh, we're, t- we're 12 months on. We've, we've, oh, we're, we're 12 months on, and that's yeah. what he does. It was never an issue with his hands. It was an issue with the fact that he's not used to getting hit by first graders. Yeah. Now, he's not used to how you need to hold the ball when first graders are hitting. As soon as he got used to that, his hands have been outstanding. How, how did he become the... And I don't think this is too far ahead of the myself to sort of... he's Because he's a complete package NRL winger. Yeah. How did that transition happen so quickly? What has happened in the last 12 months where he has taken himself to that level? Because you know what it is? He's realised that his role and a winger's role with his physical tools is really simple. Yeah. He's got all the physical tools to be a great winger. And he knows he has three, three jobs in the team. Safely take kicks. Yep. Stay out wide and, be, and, and take any chances you get, you get an opportunity to score. And don't leave the touchline in defence. Yep. That's his three things. And, he, and the, the third one, he's still learning because he's young. And first grade parves are good enough to, you know, to draw wingers in. But the other two, he knows, are very simple for him. The, the fourth role, I'd say, is ball carrying, carrying the ball out. And the yeah. other reason I mentioned that is that uh, 200, 298 metres run last night, even if you take away his breakaway try at the end, that's still 200 plus metres carry. And, and I want to talk to you about something that we were discussing. And I, which, 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 yeah, yeah. The Dan Safiti role in our team is to be Dan Safiti would get his penalties by getting to his front and getting up quick. That's now the Dom, the Dom Young role. A lot of our penalties coming out of trouble are Dom Young getting on his front and getting up and the ruck being turned into a mess. Dan Safiti used to do that for us a lot. He'd get on his front, they'd slow the ruck down, it'd be a penalty. Dom Young does that now. Yeah, right. I, 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 don't, I haven't looked at the stats, but I'd be certain at least half of our penalties in the last maybe eight or nine weeks in that specific role of coming out of our half will be Dom Young penalties. Or either that or the next ruck. Because yeah. Dom Young's got up, played the ball quickly and caught him offside. Oh, that's, I, look, that's definitely something. Just watch that Knights fans, I yeah. guarantee you. No, that's definitely something I'll be looking at for um, next next Friday night at least. Um, to Anari uh, ended up setting up our fifth try of the game with his... With his breakaway up the field, and the poor guy looked like he was running on a treadmill. <laughs> Which is only because he's normally got some toe. Like he's not normally. Yeah, I, no, I was surprised actually. I'm, I'm maybe like, the knock there is carrying, but yeah, I, I Patrick Herbert's slow and he running down. Yeah, but um, Edric Lee completes the a first half hat trick, 
And that alone, again, on any any other given day, would be the talking point of the game. But as we now know, there was um, there was so much more to come in the second half. The, the kick from Clooney to set that try up, but don't be short on that. Oh. You know, I know it's not a divvy kick, Edric's open, but he literally hit him in stride. Yeah, you've like still you, got to yeah, do it. It's like a leading forward coming out of the goal square, yep. hit him on the chest in stride. Yep. So, uh, Adam Clooney had three try assists for the half. Uh, I think... Oh, I can't. I can't remember with the with the other two. Clune and Milford worked. Yeah, it did. It just did. That does. That doesn't make any rugby. It makes rugby league sense, but it doesn't make logical sense. You know, you know why it worked? Because they both had distinct roles and they both played their own role. But the, and those roles complemented each yeah, other. Yeah, that's right. Well. That, that, and that's right. Yeah. And and the game and and the coach put in the game plan where he knew what they could do and how that would work, and they executed that. Yeah. So. Credit to both those guys, but credit to the coach. The Milford experiment so far is... I'm all in and want him to sign a 10-year contract. (laughs) With each passing game, I want to see him long-term. I want to see him... I'd only offer him two years, because we all know the Milford can go down real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I... Yeah. And the things that... The two-year deal might get him in. Because it means he's, if he wants to go back to Brisbane eventually, two years only takes him to 29. Yes. You know, he can go back and have five years at the, top, at the Dolphins. Oh, sorry, at the. At the. <laughs> See, this is what everybody forgets about Anthony Miller. He's not some washed up 32-year-old half. 27. Who's like, he's 27. Yeah. He should be in his prime. Yeah. He's, and, he's younger than Cameron Munster. I don't know. We've got him on a cut rate deal yeah. at the moment. And all we have to do is just make him feel wanted and give him a good environment and offer him more. And we might have a million-dollar caliber player at less than that playing with our million-dollar player. Yeah. And we still got cap space. And, and the worst and, and the worst thing is that he plays that stint and we've got to give him more money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the Milford experiment is working. There, there was talk of that in the preseason, and you and I initially were concerned. We thought it through. We thought financially it was a risk worth taking, particularly, um, you know, in the Looney Clunes chat, um, we were, you know, Harvey G, Maitland Mumble, they were all on board. They were like, at the right price, this is a risk worth taking, and it, the, the reward so far has outweighed that risk. Well, the thing is, Clifford's on only 300 grand himself. So even if Mill's getting 200, that's only 500 between those two guys. Yeah. We're getting 500 grand with the value out of Milford alone. Yes, very much so. Um... What has surprised me about Milford playing in the halves for us, though, has been I thought Clune or Clifford would be the organisational controlling deep kicking half pair, and Milford would be the off the cuff player, as I see it, you know, chip and chase, or, you know, that hasn't been the case, though. No. Milford is actually taking control of a lot of the longer kicking. Yeah. And Clune or Clifford are chipping in when they need to. Yeah. And like you said, it's working. Like in the last... And let's look, like let's not forget... Because Milford had a great game against the Raiders as well. So... Yeah. And we lost that game, obviously. But so this has worked over the last two games. It hasn't just been a case of, well, it was a one-off against the worst team in the comp. It's worked the last two times it's happened. And we could have quite easily come out of that with two wins. Yeah, if we pull that Raiders win off, Milford pretty much, I'm not going to say he won us the game, but he turned the game in that second half, Milford, yeah. by just wearing those camera forwards around the ruck. And if we win that game, win this game back-to-back, 
And Milf's getting a lot more credit than what he's actually getting at the moment, I think. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. We're just taking a bit of time out so that we can uh, recheck uh, Supercoach teams. How are you travelling, mate? No, I could uh, no, You know what's you know what's pretty frustrating this week? I I had Cooler and Saab from Manly both on my bench and they both got oh, nearly hundred. Yeah. And then I played Anderson from Melbourne, he got fourteen. <laughs> but one one good choice was I I, I vice captain Pappy and I'll use his his hundred and twenty five, so that was a good result. Hey, before we get to the second half, um how good was Thursday night watching two teams that we really don't like and neither fans being oh, happy that, at the it's end the of it? It's the dreaming games like that. Both fan bases come out unhappy. It's the absolute dream. Um, what did you take from the Manly Storm game? Like, can you take anything from a game like that? No, I, I think the Storm know they're, they're going to finish second. I think the okay. Storm I think the Storm have now hit. We're finishing second. We're going to roll through the motions, get everyone fit. I don't, I, I've actually... Drop Munster out of my Supercoach team because I think that they will play him sparingly for the rest of the season. Wow. Because he's, he's going quite a few knocks. He's got shoulder, he's got knee, yeah. I think. So I, I think they will rest and rotate right through to the finals for now. Knowing that the only chance they've got is to hit Penrith and Moon Miles Hound Grand Final day with everyone fit. Right. Watch this space, uh, Supercoach uh, fans. We, we might be uh, Knights slash Supercoach super uh, experts podcast. <laughs> The thing about supporting the Newcastle Knights is always that no lead is ever safe. Whether you're up by two, whether you're up by ten, whether you're up by forty, you're never safe. And it, no matter who you're playing, whether you're playing the best, whether you're playing the worst, at twenty-two to nil up at half time, and it's a scoreline that should have been thirty nil. We were five tries to nil up. You just knew the Titans would come back. Through whatever means, whether yeah. it be through our ineptitude, whether they lift, whether some referee decisions just get called differently, and that's not ref blaming, that's just saying sometimes they do, you just knew that the Titans would come back at one point. And the Titans are nearly the best in the NRL score and tries in bunches. Oh, they're and, in war, they're an ordinary and quick rugby tries as well. Yeah, they're an ordinary rugby league. You know, they're, they're, they're quite capable of scoring four in ten minutes. Yeah. So... We'll get uh, we'll get David. Let's get some David Fafita chat in. Who was good last time? I thought as, long, as much as he didn't have a look at thing, he tried his guts out. So, what is Justin Holbrook expecting from his team when a tenth of his salary cap comes on, on the bench? Nil, comes on at fourteen nil down. Comes on with fourteen nil, and it's a forward whose job isn't to just come on and score three tries. Yeah. Or that, at least that shouldn't be his job. Um, to me, that to me that makes no sense. If you don't, if you want Fafita not to have to bust his guts for eighty and be fresh, you pay you playing 25, 20 off, thirty five. Yeah, you know that's how you play. If you don't play similar bench twenty five, then playing fifty five straight. Yep. So I guess where I'm really pointing in the direction of is that. 
And we're reading reports this morning that the Titans are going to sack Justin Holbrook and let that be a warning to the rest of the comp is that you lose to the Knights at your peril. Um, did we get Trent Barrett sacked? Yeah, Trent Barrett sacked. We, we did. Yeah. yeah, we did. So we're two, we're two, we're two already. Oh, <laughs> absolutely outstanding. And remember, Adam O'Brien is the one under pressure as well. Don't don't forget that. <laughs> the Centrelink Knights stuff, like the honest. Play the Knights and getting the. <laughs> Play the Knights getting the cue. But is Justin Holbrook a victim of a demise of his own making? And essentially, he's, he's, he's not coaching the chess pieces. He's not moving the chess pieces that he has very well. Not, uh, you know you know what the Jason, Justin Holbrook... I don't, I don't know that Justin Holbrook can coach. I don't think he can, but I don't know he can't coach. Okay. Why he could never be successful and he would never be successful... No one is who's going to be successful the Gold Coast. That franchise is a mess. You can't come from... He come from a, like a top-tier Super League club where it was run like clockwork yep. to an absolute shit fight. Yep. He was not equipped to handle the Gold Coast Titans. And there's, there's a couple of things in that. Is that, one, we do forget that professional coaching is... Uh, or, you know, professional coaching in professional sport is a job. It's a job like if you were a lawyer going to a different firm... Your results in court aren't going to be good at one firm that is not as well resourced as another. Correct. Or, you know, if you're an accountant, it's just the same thing sort of there. So, well, when was the last time you used like a coach for a rugby league team from nowhere to the top? I mean, Craig Simmons. The Tigers been, in 2005. <laughs> Chin had been there third. That was his third yeah. year. He already won premierships. Now he yeah. wasn't a new coach. I mean, an experienced coach. Yeah, oh, look, no, certainly not one. It's given maybe this year the Sharks, but well, yeah. they went nowhere. They missed the finals last year. They'd made it the previous one eight years. Well, they, they won a premiership yeah, five years know. ago. Yeah. Um, and you can yeah, Craig Bellamy, he, Melbourne Storm already had a premiership under their belt by the time yeah. he took over the Storm. I mean, Garth, Garth Brennan, who come from the, you know, the establishing the, what, he, what we now know as Penrith, looked like the worst coach in the history of rugby league at the Titans. Yep. Um... Mullins. Mullins in the corner in the second half. The Blues are out to a 12-6 lead. Brett just loosening the pants as we speak. <laughs> Actually, I want to just touch on a comment you made earlier when we were watching before. Timmy Brasher at one, Brett Mullins at, uh, on the wing. As much as you loved Timmy Brasher, you are offended at that selection. Yeah, those because, selections. because Timmy Brasher is outstanding, but he just runs and catches. He can do that job on the wing. Brett Mullins offers you so much more. You can't play Brasher on a wing either, can you? We well, played Brasher on the wing. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh. When he was young. When he was young. Yeah. Well, that's a weird one then. Actually, yeah. it doesn't make that 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 doesn't make any sense to yeah. me whatsoever. So. But I think it was Brasher had been the incumbent for a few years, and he just kept the spot. And they'll yeah, try to fit them both in. And the Super League was sort yeah. of all going. And Marlon had played ninety five because he was a Super yeah, League player. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Joey's about to make it. It wasn't kicking well this night. So, and in fact, this was probably the start of when. Because Joey had the 95 and the 96 series, played played well in both series. 97, 98, though, is when he started to sort of backtrack, like, started to regress a little bit. Because I know there's, but like, um, Joey was the one who was sort of pointing out when he was, and we're going off topic here, do apologise, listeners. Joey was the one who was talking in commentary about how Origin didn't really click for him until in his late 20s. But you and I are watching this 96 series, and he's, He's incre- outstanding in this series, and this is a this is a twenty three year old Andrew Johns sort of doing this. But I think that's I actually think that's what he's referring to. 
Because the 99 series is actually what some people say cost marked his papers, cost him his place. Yeah. He, he performed poorly in 98. They drew the series in 99. We should have won. And mm. some people actually started to question whether he was fit for origin anymore. And that's when, through Joey's injury, they opened the door for Brett Kamali in 2000. Yeah. So I think that's what he's talking about when he's saying it, it, origin didn't really click for him. Because the other thing as well is that he's, if you look at the players in this lineup in 96, it's a different team in, in, in 2000. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other story. So we'll get back to the Titans. I've, I've taken us off topic a little bit. The only other thing I wanted to say in terms of you know, our criticism of the organisation that is the Titans is that we're not people in glass houses throwing stones. Because we recognise a poorly run organisation. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. We've lived through yeah. it. Like We've seen it happen with our own eyes. And we know that dysfunction in the back office, is it just cannot breed success on the field. Yeah, like, the thing is with, with the Titans, like, no, they've got multiple owners, they've got multiple bloody, the, the, the whole thing is a schmozzle. Mm. You know, it just, it just doesn't work. And I don't, have to, I don't think it's on the Titans, I don't think anything on the Gold Coast works. No sporting organisation ever going to be successful on the Gold Coast. That's just facts. My, but me personally, the Dolphins should the Dolphins should have gone into the southern part of Brisbane. Like they, they should have been a team in that area, yep. and that should encompass the Gold Coast, and that should be the 16th team, and then the 17th AM team should come from around Australia. Because okay. the, the Titans, to me, will will fold at some stage. Can I ask you? And I'm only just thinking about this now because you are talking about well, if the if the comp wants to expand and. They have to expand to 18 because you can't just maintain a 17 team. Is there space for a 20-team comp again in two 10-team conferences? No, I think the only way to go to 20 is if the Pacific starts to really kick on in 10 years or so. Okay. This whole conversation, this whole tangent started on the idea of um, the anxiety that is supporting the Newcastle Knights. Uh, the Titans came back. Yeah. And they had this incredible run in the second half for about five, ten minutes where they were just steamrolling up the park. Um, And as I said, the referee started to call some decisions that we didn't respond to. And as we said, what should have been a 30 to nil scoreline, all of a sudden it's 22 points to 12. And we're... It was squeaky bum yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. and, they're, and they're rolling up the field again at 22 to 12. Yeah. And Herman SES had come with a half a metre scoring. And we, yep. You know, and that was... And we all just... Yeah. We thought, well, this, here, this is it, isn't it? So, is it safe to say Edric's fourth try was the turning point of the game? No, it wasn't the turning point of the game. It steadied the game for us. Okay. He allowed us to steady the shoot. He took the wind out of their sails. Let's, let's go on cliche. He took, he took the wind out of their sails. I'm going to ask a couple of... I'm going to ask a couple of pointed, directed, but I'm curious on your answer questions. If we're playing anyone other than the Titans, is Edward... Is Edric's fourth try still awarded? No. I agree with that. At the time, I didn't think it was a try. Because he went up no try, didn't it? It went up no There's try. There's no way that, yeah. can be, that should be overturned. 
Yeah. I don't know if it's a try. I, get, I don't know if it's a I look at. I'm looking at last night, and it looked like his hand was in line with the bottom of the G on the corner post, which would mean it was off the ground. And that's the evidence I think that the bunker used yeah. to go. Well, that's still up in the air. Yeah. And but I couldn't say he's, it's definitely off the ground to overturn a no try. Um, if we hadn't gotten that try. Do you think we still win as convincingly as we did? No, we still win, but it's, yeah, yeah. the butt cheeks are clenched for quite a bit longer. It was palpable relief around the stadium when that, yeah. when that, yeah. so we, cause we were sitting behind the player's bench and Mac croaks, yeah. Yeah. fist pump in the so air. So the mix of the, probably seals the game and Eddie equals a record of four tries. So that was, you know, that was a real good moment in the stadium. And the same only 8,000 people there to enjoy it. Well, but it was a classic. It was just a classic Titans game, which is that uh, Titans rainy weather, eight to nine thousand people. Yeah. Like that is just yeah. that's yeah. written in stone. Whenever yeah. the um, hang on, Joey's just putting a crossfield kick. Get it, son! Yes! Oh, Molo with the Joey fucking crossfield bomb. Fatty looks like he's fucked. Oh, this is good gear. Blues up sixteen to six. Fiftieth minute. You beauty. Oh, Joey, Joey's all over it in this you know, one. I, I see Wendell some of those blue jerseys getting excited in that stadium, and he's like, that's when you want to be a New South Wales <laughs> Get me some of this. Hang on, I just want to watch this replay again. So Joey's got it, oh, he's about 15 minutes, metres off the right wing, and he lands it perfectly. What, two metres inside the left touch line? Oh, two, the maybe three, yeah. And again, he, he looks at his options, and we've always said it, you know, for all everything that Joey did in, in the game, and Sterlo used to say it, the different, one of the major differences with Andrew from the rest, he just read the game so well at the time. And you can see him right there, he looks to his left to see where the ball is, and he can see this opening. And he used to see these things that no one else would see, and then he'd make it happen. Fuck. Um, I haven't seen that since I seen Adam Clune do it last night. <laughs> <laughs> Joey's fingerprints were all over Clooney's performance last night. Absolutely. Um, Edric scores his fourth, so that put him on equal footing with. Now, I've, I've, I should have done so more Co- research. Cooper Verna. Cooper Verna. Uh, Joey. Sorry? Cooper, Joey. Yep, Joey. Darren M- Albert. Mad, Mad Dog. Mad Dog. Um, Akil Uwadi. Akil Uwadi. And then... There's one more, because there was six original, wasn't there? Well, I thought Edric was the sixth. Oh, was he? Yeah. And then um, and then he obviously yeah. went on to sort of uh, get get the record. Can we talk about... Yeah, the... was there Mattis on that list? Oh, Jason yeah. Mattis, yes, sorry. Was, yeah. No, Mattis, you're right. Yes. Um, yes. Joey misses another convert. He had a shocker with the boot in this game. Um... We'll keep, we'll keep the Joey sort of uh, theme going. He, and Eddinghausen loses the ball in the lead, lead up here. That would have been called up in the modern game. That's another thing. So Joey is the only one on the, that list of those who have scored five and four, who's not a winger. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. We've said it before. Just another reason why he's an amazing player. Um, do you want to talk about the Jared Wallace spear tackle? Yeah, let's talk about the Jared Wallace spear tag on the punch of the head he got for it. How, uh, how does that still happen in the modern game? What, what, what are players doing or thinking to put themselves in a position to 
put a ball carrier in such a da- dangerous position. On so the you're ground. saying I completely agree with commentator and say, oh, you know, it's he didn't mean it when they pick him up and they get him and they realise halfway through and put him down gently. He actually realised he had him upside down and then drove he follows him through. Now we'll go. We'll just come on. So he's, he's got a two weeks suspension for it. It, it was only two years ago. You would get two weeks just simply putting your hand between someone's legs yeah. and then falling on the ground because that was considered a dangerous so dangerous. And the thing is, is that what people are saying is that, well, it's a different um, standard that they judge it on now where, um, you know, they, they redid the punishment levels. They regraded it at the beginning of the year. You've still got ability in there, as Mitchell Barnett will attest to, to get a six to eight week suspension. Mm-hmm. So... How is that only getting categorised as a grade two equating to two weeks? Because the the, 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 the weighting of the dangerous through and it's not high enough. So a grade two used to get you about three or four weeks on that. Yeah. For starters, you've got a grade, grade three. But a grade two used to get three, get three or four. Grade one used to get you two weeks. Mm. You got a grade two and got two weeks. Um, let's talk about the David Clemmer retaliation. I loved it. Yeah. It's the Clem we love. It's why we love Clem. It's why me and our good friend Harry Ramage call him the sheriff. Because the moment he came to town, all the bad guys had to put away their guns. Now, it's easy to look at that and go, well, that's poor discipline. But there's a difference between poor discipline where you lash out for no good reason or or ill-discipline where you're like, don't fucking do that to my teammate. And I'm going to remind you yeah. as to why you should yeah. be more concerned Absolutely. about not doing things and like that. And at this club, those guys used to work for Alex McKinnon. Yeah. They say Alex McKinnon every day. He's not the club at the moment, but Clem's been, was there with Alex for three years. You know, Alex was part of the team that recruited, recruited Clem to the club. That has to have an effect on you. It has to. It's, uh, I mean, it, it's... Dave Gagger was on the field when that happened yeah. Alex McKinnon, you know? And it, it's the reality of that incident that still hangs over the club. Like, that... Because... Yeah. That was, that was straight where my mind went when I saw that. Every, every, and yeah. we've said it before. Every time we see a Knights player in a dangerous position, yeah. that's where the mind yeah. goes. Yep. And I, I can't speak for other fan bases. It might just be a Newcastle thing. Maybe it's a rugby league. But from a Newcastle Knights perspective, every time I see one of our players in a dangerous position, that's the reality of where I think it could be going. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like that's And how can you not? We all lived through that night. How can you not, you know? It's... It's unbelievable, and the and it's the same when when the, the uh, Brent Naden and Carl Walton have also been selfish beaters. We both got forwards, incidentally, which because they they were grade three. So and the, and this is what this is where I was saying before is like, how can you look at something like what happened last night that is passing the eye test for being worse than we've seen yeah. lesser tackles tackles get punished for? Yeah, and that's where you land. But on Carl Walton didn't even drop. Carl Walton. Dropped him on his head. Yeah. But he didn't actually drive him. Jared Wallace last night, you watched it again, drove him into the ground. You can see him push his body into yeah. the movement yeah. of it. Yeah. And then, and then land his weight on top of after yeah. he's hit the ground. Like, honestly, oh. lucky Clem knows the rules and probably was a willing to cop a, a, a sin bin because the game was over one punch. Yeah. If Clem knew there was the old rules where he could get away with it, he would have landed 15 on Jared Wallace's fat head. <laughs> Um, I guess the other thing for me is that there were a couple of other things that really stuck out for me with that incident was one, how often, because how often do you see particularly criticism of Knights players where they're like, 
Oh, they're not playing for one another. Oh, you know, I, I want to see them. You know, back your mate up. Well, there's no concerns about that last no. night. Every single night's player was in yep. and in amongst it and backing and up. And it's a shame Fitzy wasn't playing because Fitzy's not yeah, the first Yeah, yeah, that's exactly he right. He's the first yeah. one in. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he was the first one in in the in the, the Manly game. Yeah, and then the Paul Gallen, the famous Paul Gallen in one where, where the Knights started the Sharks in 2018. Yes, and, yes. And Fitzy walked in and said, no, nah, this ain't happening anymore, bro. So that sort of puts that to bit because you know we've been hearing a lot about other oh, players are dis- this player discontent and they're not playing for that. But what I, I I still appreciate that's the second time I've seen David Clemmer get uh, sin binned at McDonald Jones Stadium and leave to a standing ovation. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I remember I remember having a Barney maybe twenty nineteen and Barney laid into someone and I've never heard a cheer like it. Yeah. You know, you got seen me. I've like lived every personal me in that stadium stood up, you know. But and so I guess I guess for me is that, and we'll touch on it a little. I'll, I'll make sure I remember to touch on it a little bit later. Is that I guess one of the criticisms, and certainly one of the criticisms that you and I brought up in the last pod is that we sort of sensed that disconnect between the fans and the team. Yeah. And that that sort of felt like it was reconnecting a little bit, like we were reminding ourselves, no, th- this team, because you could see Clem was a pre, yeah. he was. Yeah. Looking at the crowd going, I love yeah. this. Yeah. And we were going, we love you too. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I just thought from a from a sort of connection perspective, um, yeah. it was something that sort of stood out to me. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Um, 12 on 12 though, which still... You know, the game is still there for the taking. So I think by that stage, the scoreline was 26 to 12. Um, yeah. We still couldn't... Let, uh, by this stage, Milford's taking the kicks. What are your thoughts on Tex Hoy being the goal kicker last night? I mean, was it the right... I, dis- I don't know why it wasn't Barney, personally. Yeah. Or, a, or a Milford. Like a, I, don't, I don't know. There was obviously a reason to it. I, I, I personally, Barney would be kicking. But um, maybe because they didn't expect Barney to play 80, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um... But at 26 to 12, not only the fact that it's the Knights, the Titans, the way they play, mainly with what they gave it the Cowboys game, they gave it that one the Melbourne the night before nearly arrived, yep. that just kept flashing before all our minds. And, you know, like 14 points with, I think it was over 10 minutes to go, it was nothing. And we're down a man, they're down a yeah. man, but it's open, it's more open for yeah. both teams now. Yeah. Um, and we were the ones that took advantage of it. Edric Lee gets his five. Yeah. And it was awesome. Untouched again. It was just awesome to be yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, and look, and that, a bloke broke, broken less tackles to score five tries. At least three were untouched. The Knights finished off the game, though, with a Dom Young breakaway. How does someone of his size make speed look so effortless? He's got, because you watch, you watch replays of the way he runs. For someone of that size, you can, I guess you compare his running style to Edric Lee. Yeah, and it's so minimal. What, yeah. what Dom, the way Dom Young's, they're almost it's all, they're almost shuffle steps. It's almost but like he's Jamaican. Of, sorry, it's almost like he's well, Jamaican. And yeah, this it, it's <laughs> sort of. But I'm even comparing him to like the way I remember Usain Bolt sprint. Yeah, and he would stride. But the way Dom runs, it's almost like a Jamaican shuffle. Yeah. It's just, it's such an efficient... So you know, you know what I reckon the Dom running style is? It's running on wet grass in England. 
eats, eats, mm. eats a rugby, eats, eats a keep my footing, get maximum power yeah. out of the ground. Because if you try and do big global strides on a wedding goose field, you're fucking falling straight in your ass. <laughs> you are. And like, you know, like, but you, you watch a lot of English um, rugby league players very choppy in their steps, even really far, fast ones. Very, Martin O'Fire was one of the few guys that had a big loping, loping style. Yep. The rest of them are very choppy in their steps. And I think it's running on heavy, slippery football fields in England. Um, Tex Hoy got to take the last conversion as well. Oh, so, that was nice to improve. I thought that was nice. So, what are you going to get? Two from five? Two from five, and yeah. And Milford got two from three. No, he got one. Tex got one from five, did he? No, two. He got two. No, he definitely got two conversions. Oh, Milford only got one. Milford got one from two. Yeah, one from two. Sorry, so two, Tex two got six. two from six. Two yes. from six, one from two. Yes, yeah, I, yeah, thought, right. I thought that was nice. Um, 38 to 12. You and I looked it up. The last time the Knights scored eight tries in a game was uh, against the Tigers back yeah. in 2020. Yeah, um, one of Benji's last games for the Tigers. Yeah, and so there's been a lot of criticisms of our attack. We thought it was a bit unfair last year. It's probably warranted this year, notwithstanding, notwithstanding the fact that it's clear as day that you and I completely underestimated the importance of Jaden Braley to this team. Yeah. It was an underestimation based off the first two weeks. Although one thing I will say is both of them were eight tries. Jaden Bailey never played either of those games because he was injured in twenty twenty. That yeah, look, that is that is a very fair <laughs> that's a very fair observation. Um, I'm certainly not going to do any of the Tigers fans who might be listening the disservice of comparing them to this Titans team this year. Um, Where am I sort of going with this? Last night was one of the more convincing 38 to 12 wins that you'll see. Because it could have been, it should have been a 50 point. Like that yeah. eight tries, you'd expect to be in the 40s. Yeah. And when you hit the 40s, you never know if that'll lift you to get across get the 50. line for 50. Yeah. 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 Scoring 50 is something we haven't seen the Knights do for a long time. But it was just a. Con- oh! Oh my god! Off you go! Oh my god! Craig, really? I forgot all that Craig Greenhill just killed Paul Harrigan, <laughs> and he's been sent off. <laughs> I forgot all that too. Holy shit! It's the 63rd minute, game two. New South Wales up 16 to six, and Paul Harrigan has been folded in half, and he has it, not moved. He holy not moved. shit! Oh! <laughs> He's folded down from the back. Langer gets him high as well. That is yeah. dirt. How funny is Beaver in the background just pointing out, hey, that's not on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Now we look up to how you got suspended for that. I'll get, not only that, I guarantee you, Paul Harrigan will get up. He'll take the first hit up here. You watch. Jesus Christ. Lazar- Lazarus is warming up. He's ready to come back on. So here we go again. Harrigan is concussed and he's pushing the doctor away. Yeah. And I'll bet you he's not, he's not oh, going to leave the field. I haven't done seen Chiefs do that every time. Yeah. Push the doctor away. It was a great moment. It's always a great moment at the game whenever Chiefs at the game they put him up on the big screen. Mm-hmm. It is a guaranteed crowd pleaser and it was just as just as enjoyable. So that was the first time. ever Origin send-off? I would wager I know what the next one was. Yeah. Gordon Tallis, Game 1, 2000. The Descent one. The Descent one, yeah. 
Queenslanders, mate. They don't get origin. Um, can we have a chat about Adam O'Brien? Yes, yes. Adam Knights coach Adam O'Brien, yep. Knights coach Adam O'Brien. How does a coach... Explain this to me, the mentality that seems to be a coach who talked up our players pre-season is being lambasted in the media for this week by taking a swipe at the players for not being good enough in pre-season. Yeah. Which is not what he said at all. It's absolutely not. It's... Why is this guy such... Why is this guy such a target for people at Fox? What did he do to them? Took Nathan Brown's job. Is it really that simple? Absolutely. Right? Nathan Brown is the golden boy of Fox. And, you know, the other, the other agenda, if he gets fired, they reckon Flanagan's in a shot with that job. So... There is no... I'm telling you, since Craig... Since, since Shane Flanagan's been at Fox, they've done nothing but try to get coaches sacked. So the, the quote that, or at least where this is coming from is the quote that he gave um, to the media, I think, on Friday. Was it before Friday yeah. or Thursday? Thursday would have been, yeah. Thursday. Thursday. And he was just talking about, you know, where he'd set, the lessons that he'd learned. Because he was specifically asked, well, what lessons have you learned? And he was trying to give the answer to say, well, I've noticed where um, some of the players, we probably didn't get the most out of them in the preseason. And he's, that's been turned into him saying, oh, the, the tra- players didn't train hard enough. That's not what he no. was saying at no, all. he was blaming himself. He was recognising his faults as a coach, yeah. going, I see now what I could have done better yeah. to get the most yeah. out of this." Well, yeah, but I thought just had them in a fresh state. Actually, they weren't actually ready for the season. And it's such... It, and which, I, makes, which makes sense, because they, they then hit the ground fresh early. Yeah. But then when the, the slog hit, they weren't ready for it. Yeah. And... It's just such a disingenuous way to cover those words because he's already a target. Like we, I, I get the coverage idea that um, teams, players, and coaches that are un, that are not doing well get the blowtorch put on them. Yeah. But there are so many other opportunities that you can can use the genuine, like the way that we play, the style that we play. I like it. That that all rests on the coach. Those are very easy opportunities when you get. But to twist his words into saying that this is a guy who's publicly bagging his own players, yep. it's just so despicably in, disingenuous. I'm like, you can't complain. The me- people in the media can't complain about the um, clubs not wanting to interact with the media when that's what that's what happens yeah. when they're open with you. Yeah. Adam O'Brien has been a, a coach who historically has loved to be open with the media, and they crucify they, yeah. they make him pay for it. Yeah. So why would you want to say anything to them? Yeah, and it's. It's what annoys me. It's it's the punching down. They go for the coaches that are young or that are team, their team is strong. They never go for the big guns. Yeah. Like, why, like Melbourne, no one should question Melbourne. But Melbourne aren't going that great this year. Why is, why is Robinson on a press? The Roosters are 10th with their roster. Yep. They barely had injury all year. Yep. They're 10th. Robbo came out in the media last night with some um, classic ref blaming after the loss to the Panthers. But he's a and, sook. He's the biggest sook in the NRL. But, and, there'll be no, and there'll be no scrutiny no. over that. Nope. They'll, they'll turn that conversation... The media will turn that conversation into, well, let's put the blowtorch in the referees. What, how is that any more deflecting responsibility than what you're saying about O'Brien, who's saying, yeah, I see the mistakes that were made in the off-season and we're going to fix that for next year. A person who... They, the media tend to consider in the conversation all time greatest coach. Hmm. He's definitely they definitely have him in that top five conversation. Yeah. His team's coming tenth with at worst the third best roster in the competition. Yep. 
and he had not once has has any criticism been labelled at him. Right. So in the post in the post victory glow last night, as we were watching Pen and credit to Penrith, they actually had to work hard to come back in that win last night. Um, and I think Penrith showed last night they've learned from the Parramatta game. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah. They knew where to make the adjustments yeah. when they were behind. Yeah. Um, and maybe that might be something that helps us in origin as yeah. well. Um, is Trent Robinson a fraud coach? He's not a fraud, but he's not... I, w- I don't think he's... He, right. If you go fair... Un- it's a, a rated, fairly rated or, or underrated, he's overrated. Okay. We're talking about a three-time premiership winning coach... The only coach in the NRL era to go back to back. Not even Craig Bellamy's done that. Cooper Cronk went back to back. Until Cooper Cronk got there, they couldn't get over the hump. Cooper Cronk didn't go back to back with the Storm, though. No, you're right, but that is. But that's not why they went back to back. They went back because yeah. they had because that that Roosters team in 1819 were better than any Storm team that were checking the Yep. Yeah. With that side, it was stacked from top to bottom. Yeah. Um. Where, so where, well, where does Trent Barrett, when, Trent Barrett, <laughs> where yeah, does, he's not good, I was going to say, Trent Barrett, no so where does Trent, attractive, Bar- but, attractive. <laughs> where does Trent, where does Robbo go then, does he get, I mean, because he's just signed a long term agreement yeah. with the Roosters, yeah. so, which so, means nothing, I've got Nick will sort that out in five minutes. <laughs> But for better or worse, the Roosters have to make this work. Um, they've got Brandon Smith coming next year. But at what point does pressure start to go on Trent Robinson? If they perform? aren't back in the Premiership conversation in two years, he's out the door. They so, at least have to be back in top four next year, I think. Yeah, they have to be top four. But if they're not, if they're not knocking on the door, of like, the Premiership window's not reopened by the end of next year, he's gone. Yeah. Is, what I'll about, tell you, he's a hot take. Mister, I speak French and my wife's French. I love French. He will have Catalan's coach within three years. Ooh, he's, always, a, he's always said he's going to retire in South of France. He always said, you know, once he's done coaching, he'll go retire in South of France. That's a very hot take. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for the heat of that. Um, because yeah. he'll re, he's, never, he's never felt the blowtorch of the rooster yet. If they struggle for another year, season and a half, yep. he'll feel that blowtorch be real hot. Yep. And he'll go, well, I've made my money. I can go live in South of France now and live out your life. Um... Watch the. I mean, watch this space. I sort of and look. Uh, you know, I'm sort or of. Already done the nights. That's all. Thank you. I don't rate you, but thank you. <laughs> I'm also reminded of a conversation that we sort of had. Is that I think I think the way that the two coaches are dealt with in the media is just another piece of the puzzle that confirms our agenda that Newcastle always get hammered harder than than Sydney teams. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect example, sort of right there. Um, so I just want one thing a quick say. So Ivan Cleary was the, was the only coach to take the Warriors to a grand final. Yep. Uh, sorry, it's one of two, sorry. Oh, one yeah, I'm sorry. One of two, sorry, yeah. But he was the only one to take, like, Sean Johnson is what I meant. Yep. To a grand final. So then he goes to the Tigers, and he can't coach. He's back at Penrith, you know, they're, they're, they're what Penrith are. Yet, he doesn't get the laudits that um, Robinson gets. I know Robinson's won the one extra premiership, but Ivan Cleary's had no team until... This last couple of years, the White Trent Robinson's had. We've done two extra premierships. Ivan Cleary has one. Robinson won. I forget. He's about the yeah, same. It's at the yeah. 2013. Yeah, sorry. So two. But we all think, no, we, we all think in three years, they're probably going to be equal. Yeah. Probably win at least another one, maybe another two, you know, in the next three years. Um, 
What does it take to beat the Panthers this year? Um, Are Melbourne the only team that uh, can do it? No one can do it. Penrith can beat Penrith. So, Api Curacao was two years ahead of his time. Because that's what he was saying in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. He says, we're the only ones that can beat ourselves at the moment. Yeah. So, 2020 is is the one that got away. They should have won that one too. Yep. But they weren't ready. They weren't mentally ready and understandable, you know? Melbourne Melbourne with a hardened grand final experience, you know? I'm so on board for Penrith to make three grand finals in a row and only win one of them. Like the manly and, team and of the lose 90s. the two in Sydney would be really funny. Yeah, so yeah, to yeah. To win in Brisbane when none of fans yeah. can go, and then to lose two in Sydney would be funny. And I'd love to see. Oh fuck! There's no one. There's fucking no one in the top eight that I that I like at the moment. But I'm just wondering who gets to play the '97 Knights role of beating the Panthers in the 2022 Grand Final. I don't want it to. Now be... this is an unpopular opinion. I, my personally, would like Parramatta to be that team. I was going to say that. I thought you'd fucking laugh at me. <laughs> and I'll, give you, I'll give you two reasons. I'll give you two reasons. I think it's great for Rugby League, Parramatta won that. Absolutely. Rugby League gangbusters. Yep. And fucking Voodoo would be, yeah, the, but would be the best Twitter content for the, for the end of time. And I would have one notifications. Oh, it would be the greatest, um, it would be the greatest Twitter content in the history. Well, look, and look, and Mary Kay might retire. <laughs> she literally might retire. Um, I, look, I, no, I, and I think exactly that because that would just have all the romance. Because you and I were talking a bit about it last night as we mad dashedly raced home so we could watch the replay of the Knights game. Was that... And I guess there was... Because... Um, oh, what's his name? At Josh, I think, Crip, who, who sort of said, must be... You know, yeah. I was complaining about having to work the physical pain of watching the Knights to which I was reminded yeah it must be difficult watching them win two premierships in a lifetime and you and I did have the conversation where you're like yeah that can't be like that is a, that would be a miserable experience yeah. to not in the moment experience premiership joy in your life and as I said to you in that conversation they also lost the only one grand final with the greatest evil team ever yep and they lost 09 to a team that stripped the premiership yep like it can't be get worse than that you yep. just can't. Um, that gave rise to another interesting conversation you and I had, which is that hindsight is twenty twenty, and you look at it twenty two years later. The idea that 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 Knights lineup seventeen was the underdog. Yeah, if you see, if you looked at those teams, you teams on paper, and you knew rugby league, and you know nothing about that season or that game, mm. and you set a market, the Knights would be a dollar fifty. Yeah. Um, and so we were sort of going. I mean, the halves we sort of have them covered, but you think. Well, Robbie O at the time was a um, far better fullback. Than well, we Brett had. Hoy- I think I worked out we had the four best players on the field were Knights, Padiris, Johns, Kennedy. Who done the food? The, 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 the Gidley, McDougal, Tarr. Oh, Matt Gidley. Matt yeah, Gidley. Matt Gidley. They were the four best players. On, I think they were the four best players in either team. And then you even look at the back row, which was Hindmarsh and Bobcat. Yeah, and which is a that is a that is an all time two test players. Yeah, we also had two test players in that same. Position. Simpson and Kennedy. Yeah, and they will go down as all time. I mean, yeah. Kennedy's going to go down as an all time great in two for two all time seventeen yeah. club all time seventeen. Like Brad Drew's year hooker that year, he was like outstanding. Yeah, he was probably outstanding years. Who's probably the second best hooker of all time? It's just. Um, yeah, a completely, a completely... Like, PJ Marsh was there, strike weapon off the bench. Like, teams were feared with PJ Marsh coming off the bench. 
Well, it's funny, you know, because PJ Marsh was the one who was going to revolutionise the the fourteen role, which the, sort of then became the the Craig Wing role. Which you know, as yeah. we know in this day and age, that the fourteen is just a whole other whole other kettle of fish. Um, but yeah, that that two thousand and one time because two thousand and one was the first season of limited interchange again because yeah. they'd had unlimited. Because yeah. I remember in two thousand. Um, Matt Geyer, Matt, he was talking about whether or not he was going to go around again in 2000, uh, sorry, 2001, and his exact quote, quotes were, he's like, well, the rules the way they are, I'm thinking about it, Yeah. because unlimited interchange, you could do his five-minute stint, go off yeah. and have another rest, and they could just keep catching their breath. Yeah. And so 2001 was really that first season where they were like, no, we're going to put a cap on this for player safety, and that's where Mitch, uh, Mitch PJ Marsh came back to... Yeah. Yeah. That's when he sort of revolutionised yeah. that role. Yeah. Um, so that's it. We've locked it in. Parramatta are uh, 97 Knights team to knock Penrith off. And, and honestly, I, I think... I just I, I can't honestly, believe it. No, I think their best is the only team that can get close to Penrith. Well, we, but we, and we've said that consistently on this pod. That's why they are the frustrating team yeah. of 2022. Because at their best, they've beaten the two best. I'll tell you now, if Adam O'Brien was coach of Parramatta, they'd be second on the ladder right now. That is a very that is a man. You're just dealing out, mate. Things are warming up out here at uh, out here at Warramai. It's uh, the hot takes are just flowing freely. Um, Bretto, I think it's been a fascinating catch up, as it always is. Um, I don't know. I'm sort of in the mood to sort of keep chatting footy, but we might leave it there at least for this one. See if we um, see how the weekend sort of presents itself, and see if we might chuck the um, chuck the record on. Uh, as the weekend progresses, but um, any last thoughts, hints, tips, or comments you want to make? Before no, get we... get out next Friday night, Knights fans. Oh yeah, I, I, th- I, th- I honestly think we'll get it. We'll get a second good performance. Now, there's no Origin players. Yep. South, who knows what South Sydney is? We may get beat. I'm not going to say we are win, but I'm confident we'll put a good performance in next Friday night. And I think that was pouring out in the press when Adam O'Brien. See, now, good friend Matt Clark pointed out he's not out of Brighton News fan. Oh, that reminds me. The, 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 tomorrow was the most important day of, of that win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not about enjoying tonight. It's about how do we get ready for next week because that's our biggest problem. Actually, I'm really glad that you said that you mentioned um, some of our listeners because uh, we very much, very much uh, omitted, poorly omitted to give a big shout out, a massive thanks to... Um, uh, Mitch Meek uh, at, at Meek uh, on Twitter he took his, so he's a Knights fan who lives in Canberra and he took his family down to um, Bruce Stadium it'll always be Bruce Stadium to, me, to uh, watch the heart. I don't know why that saying was so old 77 it was built because, yeah, that's, because that's the Raiders right. started at Queen, and I just assumed it was built later than that. No, no, no. That that sort of yeah. said because you look at the um, you look at the design of it, and it's a very minimalist yeah. sort of, but it's still got that bowl look. So yeah, yeah. that that sort of fits yeah, around. Yeah, But they they were representing Bay Fifty Three. They took their Bay Fifty Three supporter yeah. sign out to the game, that's and that and uh, thank you. That's that's just absolutely awesome gear for uh, for especially for a couple of. Uh, Old blokes like us who are just uh, got I no idea to know. I wonder what the bacon drink curse cost us that game. <laughs> I, I am concerned Caelan Pong had seen the bacon drink sign second before Hudson Young had kicked it and got distracted by the curse, and that's why he was out of position. That, that, that is my concern. 
I'll tell you what, I, I, speaking of things that we've sort of forgotten to talk about, and I guess it's unfortunate that I did remember, we got through, what is it, an hour and a half of conversation without reliving some of the more poorer comments made about KP's Game 3, uh, Game 2 performance and then subsequently... I'll throw yourself in the bin, burn your scarves, can you remember should be in, without being out there and you say that about any player, but certainly not about our captain and best player. Um, and he's fine. Yeah. He, he, yep. it, was a, it was a dictated rule that yep. he, he wanted. He was fine to play. Yeah, he had no choice. The night said the night, and if he, and you're the rule the night said, we've tested him, he's fine, but the rule states is category one, we can't pick him. That was then the conversation, you know? All I this think, cover about him being soft. I think one of the, one of the things we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have just another celebratory pod at some point where we just relive some KP greatness. Like we go well, back over... with this Origin series, then we can go back and enjoy what KP's done in the series. <laughs> He's been outstanding. He's been brilliant. He's been outstanding. Um, and we, we sort of highlighted it on our... Uh, he didn't get the try assist for Cam Munster, obviously, but his ability to make Stephen Crichton look like a subpar... And the Blues have won 18, 18 to 16. Um, yeah, game two in uh, game two in '96, the Blues have done it. Actually, that means it, we'll we'll sign off, everyone. Thank you for listening. We do give a um, big shout out, as always, to our um, sponsor, A Plus Contracting and Poly Welding. Caught up with Husey at the game last night. Actually, he was um, he was watching he was watching the boys warm up and um, enjoying the atmosphere. So it was good to see him. We do thank him for all his support. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think we're a bit late on it, so we'll get on the the three o'clock game and. Uh, yeah, hopefully talk to everybody soon as we uh, soak up every moment of a disappointed Alan Langer. Um, yeah, enjoy the rest of the weekend, everybody. Thanks, guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.